It's like really difficult to do. Most of the magic's made out of like concrete. Man, they're like, man, this is a hard magic system. <laughs> Hello. Hi, everyone. We have once again entered the wardrobe. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. The first time we went through a wardrobe, mm-hmm. but the second time we were at a train station. Sure. And the magical horn called mm-hmm. us into Narnia. Because that, my friends, is how the Pevensies get into Narnia in Prince Caspian. And it was never quite clear that that was going to happen until it happened. Yeah. Which which might be how you feel when this <laughs> when you happen upon one of our episodes. Okay, I have a question for you. Yes. What do you think is the coolest way that that kids are are like find their way into Narnia? What's like the does, coolest method? Does it have to be like of the books, or can it be anything? Like, I mean, like, in the books. Like, which one do you think is the coolest? You know, it's a really basic answer. But if a if an entire magical world showed up in a, in a wardrobe, I'd actually be pretty into it, I think. Yeah. And I just, I really love the, like, the imagery and some of the uh, film adaptations of seeing the coats and you're pressing through the coats and then they turn mm-hmm. into the trees. So I'm actually, it's kind of a boring answer, but I'm kind of partial to that one. How about yeah. you? I mean, that one has like the wow factor. I think, <laughs> I think, I think the coolest is in Voyage of the Dawn Treader, they go through a painting. That's pretty like, cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's very Mary Poppins. I love it. Before it Mary was even. Yeah. It also always side. like, <laughs> Yeah. Reminds me of uh, the episode of The Office where, like, Michael has, like, a list of excuses for why he can't come to the phone that he gave to <laughs> Pam. And she just uses them. And she- <laughs> she's, like, reading off all the excuses. And then she gets to, trapped in an oil painting. <laughs> I'm going to save that one. <laughs> I'm going to save that one. Oh. It always reminded me every time I rewatched that episode. It always reminded me of Voyage of the Dawn Treader because they go into a painting. I was like, "But what if you were trapped in the in the painting?" Ooh, I I don't like that at all. <laughs> but would you realize that you were trapped in the painting, or would you just like it would just feel like it was normal? Follow up question: Are we trapped in a painting? Maybe we're trapped in a painting right now. Listener, uh, please double check that you're not trapped in yes, a painting. Yes, please check that you're not trapped in an oil yes. painting. Um, and if you are, um, I guess um, enjoy yourself. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. What do you do in an oil painting? Um, so <laughs> eat some grapes. Yeah. Like I don't know. Eat, so eat some grapes. Probably sit in a park. Um, sit in a park. <laughs> be at sea. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're, you know, lots of people in oil paintings wear crowns, so maybe you're doing that. Perhaps you're wearing a crown. A big yeah. poofy dress. Who yes, knows? likely. So, yes. <laughs> this is, uh, okay, If the, is this an indication of where 
this episode is going. You know, I, I like it. That. I like our I whimsy too. factor. I <laughs> I would like more whimsy in my life, frankly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, perhaps one way you would get that whimsy is through something fun you were watching, Rhonda. What <laughs> no, have you, Aaron, what have what? you been watching? Aaron with the segue. Hey, oh boy. <laughs> that was a real good one. Um, oh uh, what have you been watching? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I don't know. Have you been watching Abbott Elementary this season? Yes. So I'm all cut up now. I loved the Christmas episode. There was so, like, I know this isn't everything that the show is about, but the tension between Janine and Gregory yes, yes, is yes, yes, like yes. chef's kiss. Like, yes. they're, they're playing that so well. Uh, I'm like, uh, like, on the one hand, I'm like, ah, oh, when are they going to get together? But at the same time, I'm also like, it's so like delicious to mm-hmm. like revel in that in that tension between them oh, it's so good and They're, of course like that just the show just continues to be a, a great show all around but yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a moment there was a moment where he like goes to meet like at the last second uh his significant other like calls him or texts him to go and when they're having their like moment on the street and she turns to him and the way that she says good night is just like it's such a small moment but it's so perfect mm. oh my gosh yeah. oh goodness and i also i love that they kind of address like this problem that teachers have of like leaving that persona because mm-hmm. you're performing all day and so when you get home it's hard to be a woman who is beautiful and who is like has different facets of her life so I loved that whole ah, discussion there too and then I also um just uh because I I needed more Tracy Wigfield writing in my life I started re-watching Great News um, oh it's very sad that that show only lasted like two two short seasons before yeah. it was canceled. But it's all on Netflix though, so yeah, I gotta yeah. go back to that one. Yeah, what's Tracy Wigfield doing lately? I was just wondering that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I know she worked with Mindy on Mindy Project. Yeah, for a little bit. But yeah, I don't know what she's doing now. We should look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what are you watching, Erin? <laughs> so there's this wonderful YouTube series where Gandalf... Oh, YouTube. Oh, my gosh. Gandalf... I didn't rea- even mention the things I've been watching on YouTube, but it's go on. Been, it's been most of my focus <laughs> because my attention span has been a little bit all over the place. Mm. Um, but there's this YouTube where Gandalf reacts to the most recent (laughs) hobbit um television series and it's all just him being salty and it's so funny it's by charlie hopkins and he impersonates all the characters and kind of yeah they just kind of react and it's it's kind of as if this Gandalf had not been in- invited to participate and is a little bit like frustrated. It's really good. Mm. Well, I mean, 
you know, prevailing fan theory that's been all but confirmed is that one of the characters in Rings of Power becomes Gandalf. Ooh, cool. So, I don't know. Ha- Wait, you haven't watched Rings of Power, have you? I really haven't yet. I haven't yeah. jumped in. Well, when you do, let me know because yeah. we need to talk about that character. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And all the other characters. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the other ones. As and well. all of the things in the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. Well, I'll talk a little bit more about Tolkien later on. Yeah. In this episode. Um, yeah. I also... Is that, is that all you've been watching? Well, I really... I also watched... There's this 20... There was this 2020 um, interview because it's been 20 years since Love Actually came out. Oh, no. And I, I watched... I hate that movie so much. <laughs> and you see... I... I hate a 20 years later interview because who cares? But I always think it's hilarious because when you watch them, the actors, I think, are also kind of thinking like, this is kind of really awkward. So like, (laughs) sometimes their answers are just, it just feels so like ridiculous and making mountains out of molehills. I don't know. It's, they're fun to watch and kind of, like think about it in like a sociology lens of like people being interviewed about mm. work that they did 20 years ago and have clearly moved on from and yeah, yeah it was interesting you know what i find interesting about those interviews is like the person doing the interviewing like makes or breaks it i think totally like so many times i watch those and i'm like who is this person how did they get this how'd they get this job because they're terrible at it (laughs) like i could do better and like yeah it's we i yeah this one was diane sawyer and i think she did it because she wanted to i think this was a diane sawyer doesn't do things she doesn't want to (laughs) do I think this one was, uh, I've been working here for so long, and I really don't want to think, please just throw me a bone here. <laughs> like, can we just do this? <laughs> Let's just talk about love, actually, because that doesn't require any I kind of critical thinking. Um, I don't fine. need to think. I don't need to do anything. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so that's... That's... Mm-hmm. That's yep. what... Uh-huh. Yeah. Are you still reading Wheel of Time? I sure am. How many how many pages of Wheel of Time have you read in the past week? Ooh, none. I have well, I have read none in the last week. It's been finals <laughs> week. What are you reading? Interesting. Um, I'm still in my magician's reread. Yes. I'm halfway through uh, the second book, The Magician King. Excellent. Uh, yeah. And I'm having a great time. Yay! Anyway, I've also been reading a lot of articles about C.S. Lewis uh-huh. and J.R.R. Tolkien. Nice. <laughs> and other um, fantasy authors and creators, because yeah. that's what we're talking about. Because that's what I've... This week? 
in that same line, I've been reading a lot about hard and soft magic systems, uh-huh. which I'm obsessed with a little bit. These uh-huh. like distinctions. So um, a yeah. hard magic system is one that's really hard. Like it's difficult to do. It's like really <laughs> difficult to do. Most of the magic's made out of like, like concrete. Man, this is a hard magic system. This is really <laughs> difficult to do. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I know that's not really what it is. And then a soft magic system, you buy at Michael's Crafts in the felt uh-huh. section. It's, it's, an, it's like a Nerf magic system. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Petition to start calling it Nerf magic system. Um, this is the Nerf magic system. <laughs> but, dear listener, to let you in on, on the reality behind these magic systems, a hard magic system is kind of what it sounds like. The explanations included and that overall kind of build. I think a good like synonym for hard in this context would be concrete. Yeah, totally. It's a concrete, well-defined magic system. And it never changes. I think another really important piece there is that you as the reader come to understand it you come to like see the framework whereas in a soft magic system you don't ever get in your explanation you don't ever get like a concrete parameter they're kind of like magic is in the world but it isn't really evident like the reason why sometimes or um, it can kind of just show up and then dissipate um, almost without without explanation sometimes, depending on the author. Or it might like change considerably throughout. Like in, I liked how they, how this author put it, they inhabit writings, hard magic versus soft magic. They say, hard magic system is a type of magic that has those specific rules that the reader understands and which limit a magic user in what they can do. I think that's important too, Mm -hmm. um, because in a soft magic system, they go on to write, it's a type of magic that the rules may apply. Um, It does not have specific limits that are expressed or known by the reader or audience. Mm, Right. And that feels like an important distinction, too, when we're figuring out, like, which magic systems that we know and love are hard magic systems and which are soft. Somewhere like Narnia is a pretty um, soft magic system. Mm -hmm. It's very much like we were talking about with the ways to get to Narnia. It goes from wardrobe to oil painting um, (laughs) to magic rings. And a wood between the worlds. All sorts of different things. And we never really know why. So I also have kind of types of magic that we see in Narnia. And I wanted wanted to ask you if you had any favorite um, magic moments within the Narnia catalog. So I have like, I don't know about like, I'm not... Are you, are you, are you, do you have like a specific definition of a magic moment? I guess is what I, (laughs) I think that's, you hit the nail on the head as I was meaning to, for us to kind of like show how (laughs) wide, how widely soft magic systems can go. Um, Uh So like, 
I was thinking we could take a look at some of our favorites and then use them to showcase kind of all the different ways that magic shows up in this right. world. Yeah. Okay. So I think something about the magic in Chronicles of Narnia that I think is really cool is that objects can kind of carry magic and the magic transfers with the object. Sure. So like in The Magician's Nephew... Uh, Diggory's uncle um, creates these magic rings and he um, I think it's it says that like he uses like um, some kind of material from the wood between the worlds and that is like infused into the rings yeah and so the magic from the wood between the worlds draws people um, like when you're wearing the ring it draws you back to where the ring originated from yeah similarly i think that it's um i it's been like it's probably been a decade since i read the magician's nephew i should reread it um but i i seem to remember that there's like the wood from a tree in either in narnia or from the wood between the worlds um but but a tree from another world I think it must be a tree from Narnia because that tree's wood was used to build the wardrobe that <sighs> Lucy goes through in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Right. So it's like the the magic of Narnia is infused into the wood of this tree and it draws people back to Narnia. Yeah. Um, so I always thought that that was like a really interesting use of magic, how it can be like infused into like concrete materials yeah um, tan or i guess tangible materials would be a better way of putting it uh, yeah, yeah absolutely i yeah i love that part of it um and just kind of how the environment as a whole can be used like i'm thinking of um the ice queen and how i mean it, it, it really just sounds like elsa from frozen now <laughs> but dear listener for those of us who didn't have elsa originally like um, I just love the way that I guess I'm trying I guess I'm trying to say I love the way that evil magic users kind of create formidable worlds using mm-hmm. like kind of almost poisoning the environments around them mm-hmm. or like using the atmosphere um or how um even heroes and villains can be said to be made of star stuff or you know things like that like really using the atmosphere and like natural elements similarly but also a little bit different to the wood and the rings and things like that i also just like things like aslan's creation song and things like that too are just really interesting to me yeah, I just, I love this world so much and it's so much fun to be like researching it a little bit. Yeah, so that kind of hits at like the control of the elements or control of uh, thinking about the different ways that that soft magic system is is given kind of natural catalysts or natural facilitators. So we still don't necessarily know, but then you can kind of see evidence of it in the environment and in the space and things like that. It also makes for really stunning productions. And I didn't even necessarily realize that things like invisibility were present in the books. I had forgotten about that. I 
forgotten that people could turn invisible. That's pretty cool, too. Just lots of thinking about matter, changing it or um, otherwise molding it to your will is always interesting to me, I think. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I for I almost forgot this one. Um, Like the, the creation of different illusions, like Jadis could... Um, create really powerful illusions to trick people again using the environment in different ways just to make it more imposing and scary i'm very into the way that evil is explored in these books i really like it (laughs) um and it takes a strong woman to disguise to disguise herself as an old log it really does i don't think i'd want to do i think i'd be a little (laughs) nervous about that so just all the different ways that you can make something seem really safe. And then all of a sudden, in the last minute, it's really scary and it's really all encompassing. And I love a villain sometimes. I really do. I'm I'm having difficulty remembering other times these things have been. I don't know. I feel like I also need to revisit some of these books. I have a really strong memory of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And then the rest of them are kind of like dimmer. I don't know. I wish I remembered them better. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that in Narnia, so, like, of course, like, Aslan is kind of, like, the, he's kind of, like, the highest, like, authority Uh in Narnia, I guess. But then you kind of, like, piece together that, like, magic has been there, like, since before right. Aslan, or like maybe like in conjunction with Aslan, I I like so there's like there's two chapters in the Land the Witch and the Wardrobe, um, and one is called um, Deep Magic from yeah. Beyond of Time, and then the following chapter is called Deeper Magic from Before the Dawn of Time. So it's like magic has at least in Narnia, magic has existed longer than yeah. the universe because magic is what Aslan used to create the universe or to create the world of Narnia yeah. at least. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting idea and it ties to an idea in The Magician, oh. <laughs> which I am currently rereading um, that, I'll, that I'll talk about when I talk about The Magician's. Yeah, um, but absolutely. Me. Yeah, I just, wow, my words just stopped entirely. Yeah, <laughs> I just, uh, I love when that happens. Oh, isn't that so fun? Um, yeah, things like, things like those chapters when that, I think when I was reading those two chapters that you've just mentioned for the first time, I had never thought like that. I had never really been introduced to building a magical world so hearing chapters like those were really important to me thinking about like the origin of a magic story or the origins um and I just remember being really like enthralled with that one final one that I wanted to mention was so if we're thinking about villains and we're thinking about how they manipulate taking something like Turkish delight and using that to control Mm. someone like so to take a little piece of magic and I mean, we never really know how this happens, but it comes to, you come to understand in a soft magic system that the Turkish delight does have something to do with Edmund's major character change. Right. So, 
in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, when he starts to kind of be a little bit more irritable or start to be a little bit just different, just palpably different. And there's indication there that it's through the Turkish delight he's getting from the Ice Queen. Um, And just, again, terrifying as a little kid to think about that kind of a manipulation as well. I'm sorry that I love evil so much, but I kind of just really do. And I think it's really interesting to think about how how this world is seemingly calm and peaceful and can turn on you in a second Mm -hmm. and kind of the ways that a soft magic system lends itself to that because if it were a hard magic system it might be easier for us to anticipate in some situations Mm -hmm. and that's not always true there are formidable hard magic systems that are you know terrifying i think it's interesting like i don't know if this is I mean, this is just kind of like a passing thought that I have, but like, I feel like in like hard magic systems, magic is seen as like a tool and like, it's almost like science. Sure. That like you learn the right formulas and you'll get the expected outcome. Sure. Whereas in a soft magic system, the magic almost is like alive in itself. And it's, I mean, this isn't like universal, I, I, I don't think, but, but I feel like that those are like two very different approaches to magic. I love that. And I don't know that that's necessarily like true 100% of the time that like all hard magic systems are like that or, but I, that's just like maybe like a slight pattern that I've noticed in the fantasy that I've read. I love that. I it, I always think of a soft magic system as kind of like like a third character, you know, or mm-hmm. like yeah. And I think that I also love them because it invites it can invite a little bit more whimsy too. I'm thinking for mm-hmm. some reason like I'm thinking of the house in Encanto is kind of oh, like yeah. a character, yeah, you totally. know. We don't understand. Well, and I would also say that like the like the little bit of magic in like a song of ice and fire i would say that like just because we never really get a full understanding of how that magic works it would technically be a soft magic system right but sure it's clear that it's clear that that magic system does have very specific rules we just don't really know what they are and i think yeah, totally. And I think that's why there can be such um, like discrepancy between how some people see a hard magic system in some mm-hmm. books and in some pieces and some people say, no, that's soft magic. You know, I think it um, there can certainly be frameworks in place that feel more concrete and more scientific, even if we don't get like a user manual or even if we don't understand mm-hmm. them at all times. I think they can still be... For my money, they can still be kind of hard magic. Um, Well, and then there's like shadow and bone where magic is called the small science. So like, right. Very clearly hard magic system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) If you bring, what was the the thing? If you bring a gun to a magic fight, was that the, yeah. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, season two of shadow and bone is coming. Oh, is it? Cool. In March, I think. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I'm like 
not, I mean, like, I'm going to watch it, but I'm not, like, really, really excited about it. I don't know. It's fine. Anyway. (laughs) I had read all of them so close to when the, when, when the Shadow and Bone TV series came out, I had read all of them so close to it that I couldn't finish it even because I had it all in my head, you know? So I need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, I was just trying to think of like other, what are like, what are in your opinion are like some clear examples of like hard magic versus soft magic? Yeah. So I think wheel of time is hard magic. You go with the Aes Sedai to their training school and you learn with them how to do it. And it's very much a science. I believe that it is very much a hard magic system. And then I think of soft magic. I think of soft magic when I think of Narnia or when I think Mm -hmm. of kind of more ethereal. um, I'm not good at saying that word, but ethereal magic systems. I'm thinking about like, I, you know, it's hard for me to find a soft magic, like a really good example of a soft magic system. But I think well, defin- and I think it also, I, I wonder if there, if this is something that like really makes a difference that like, if the, so like if the main character or the POV character, like d- does magic, like is, is a magic user, does it like out of necessity start to become a hard magic system because you're in that character's point of view and so you have to understand what they're doing right whereas like because i'm just like thinking of things like chronicles of narnia and lord of the rings which both you know i think we would say both of those have soft magic systems and the pov characters through most of those are not magic users. So right. magic is always something that is mysterious and unknowable. Right. Which, you know, like is a soft magic system. So I wonder if that has something to do with it as well. Yeah. But then I would, okay. See, I'm just arguing with myself here because then I would also say that in Star Wars, at least in the original trilogy, the force is a soft magic system. Sure. Like it's kind of explained that like, Oh yeah. Like you need to feel the force and, but it's, but you're not given like specific rules for it. Right. Right. And yet Luke as our main character is learning how to use the force. So I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) And then I'm also arguing with myself over Wheel of Time because, yes, we learn with the Aes Sedai how to use the magic, but there are moments when major characters who are channeling go through this crisis of, oh, I can't access the power right now. Oh, I can't. Hmm. I can't access it. So they know how to, but there's like they're bringing a life force that sometimes is not is inexplicably just not present so yeah they know how to use it and they are powerful within it but then sometimes it leaves and comes back or it ebbs and flows so yeah i'm arguing with myself Mm. as well yeah 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 so maybe like there isn't really a dichotomy maybe there it's like a fluidity sure where it can like it can be kind of in between or it can you know yeah. Um, I think it's pretty common. 
for like, especially for like, you know, larger fantasy series for like, for it to start out as a soft magic. And then as you learn more about the world, it sort of develops into a hard magic system. I think that's pretty common. Sure. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's fascinating. I'm. Yeah. That's great. Well, now I've confused um, myself because where does Marvel and where do superheroes fit in with this? Yeah. So it's, I have like long held that, that Marvel is both fantasy and science fiction, depending uh-huh. on like which superhero you're talking about. Oh, right? sure. Because sure. you have like Iron Man who like his quote unquote powers all come through like technology and science and the things that he's built. But then you have Thor who is like a literal God from another world with magic. And I would say that like the magic in Thor is more of a soft magic. So I, I don't know. It's, it's everything. I love it. (laughs) It's the superhero genre. It's it's science fiction and it's fantasy. Yeah. But well, but technically science fiction is like a subgenre of fantasy. Uh um, Sure. I think a lot of people forget that, but you know. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that CS Lewis wrote a science fiction trilogy? I wow, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. I've read the first one. And it was very difficult to get through, but I was like 14 at the time. So maybe I should try again. What's it called? I'm a little older now. (laughs) Um, It's called, what is it? It's just known as his science fiction trilogy. Like if you Google that, it'll, yeah, it'll come up. Um, But it's um, Prerilandra, I believe is how you pronounce it. The site, or I think out of the silent planet. Is that the first one? I think. Oh, yeah. I've heard that title. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, one of my favorite novels is a book that he wrote for adults called Till We Have Faces. That is a retelling of Cupid and Psyche, <gasps> like the Greek myth, but it's from the point of view of Psyche's um, older sister. Ooh. who is like the ruler of their or she eventually becomes the ruler of their city and she yeah it's like it's like super dense and like yeah kind of doesn't make sense sometimes <laughs> <laughs> i but love it's that so title though and yeah. yeah yeah anyway till we have faces read that if you <laughs> if you feel if you feel like it if you feel like <laughs> doing that <laughs> If you feel like subjecting yourself to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's just Lewis's other fiction. Just a little little tidbit there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. Like, so I definitely wanted to talk about, like, the relationship between Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Which we talked about, like, way a long time ago when we had our episode on Lord of the Rings. I talked about this a little bit because uh, C.S. Lewis was really the one who, like, encouraged Tolkien to, like, keep writing and to finish 
yeah. um, his Lord, Lord of the Rings. So, like, I think that's, like, I love their friendship. I and know. I know. I think we should be talking about it more as a society. Yeah. <laughs> just in general. Just, um, <laughs> just in general. Yeah. So, so Lewis and Tolkien were friends at Oxford. They were friends for, like, 30 years wow. of of their lives before Lewis passed away. And yeah, they had this like literary uh club called the Inklings that would meet at the Eagle and Child pub in Oxford. And uh and yeah, like Tolkien would read aloud like passages of Lord of the Rings that he was currently writing. <laughs> like wow. what what a like to be a fly, to like, you know what? If I had a time machine, yes, <laughs> I would go back in time and like sneak into the pub <laughs> while yeah. they were having a meeting and listen to Tolkien read um, from Lord of the Rings. But they might not let me in because I'm a woman. Because you know oh, that was yeah. Oxford did not award degrees to women until 1920. So wow. So <laughs> yeah. So I like I don't want to spend like too much time talking about the Inklings and Lewis and Tolkien's friendship um, because like there's so much that's been written about it. I think there's like documentaries you can watch about it, but I did want to just like touch on that because of the relationship between Narnia and Lord of the Rings, I think yeah. is really important to explore when we're talking about Narnia. So I think Lewis's influence and, like, his input into the Lord of the Rings is, like, more, like, I think that that's probably more of a profound, more of a noticeable influence than the other way around. Like, okay. I don't think that Tolkien really had as much of an influence on Narnia. Um, and, in fact, Tolkien, like, kind of, like, poked fun at <laughs> Narnia a little bit, like, in the way that friends do, you know? Sure, sure. Narnia was intended from the outset to be an allegory for, like, Christianity and Christian teachings. Yeah. A lot of people read Lord of the Rings as an allegory, but Tolkien claimed to his grave that it was not intended as an allegory. Whatever. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> But the the allegory in Narnia, Tolkien thought that it was just, like, too simple. But I'm like, dude, these are books for children. Yes, right. it's simple. Anyway, I have a lot of issues with Tolkien, apparently. I well, yeah. would love to get into an argument with him. So <laughs> oh, my gosh. How fun would that be? <laughs> so, like, one thing that I thought was, like, really funny that I've like always thought was funny about like Tolkien's criticism of Narnia is that um, Tolkien thought Father Christmas didn't really belong in this world <laughs> <laughs> and suspected that Lewis had borrowed some of his own ideas and had woven them into the Narnia Chronicles without due acknowledgement. I think that's really interesting because yeah. now like every fantasy, well, not every fantasy, but like every high fantasy book, that is in any way like inspired by medieval Europe is is in a way is drawing from Lord of the Rings and its influence. Right. So sure. <laughs> I think that's really interesting that he's like, um, dude, you were inspired by me. 
in Narnia. But it's interesting that, like, so, like, when we talked about Lord of the Rings, I talked about how Tolkien drew from, like, Norse mythology. Yeah. Like the Prose Edda, which is like Scandinavian, you know, like that's where he got like the mythology of like elves and dwarves and sure. things like that. And so like there, there's like similar influence in Narnia, but Tolkien and Lewis were both scholars of Norse mythology. So like, of course he drew, <laughs> right? like of course Lewis drew from that. Anyway, right. before I, sp- I, I don't want to. I said I didn't want to spend too much time on this. Anyway, but I did want to uh, just mention one more um, quote. This is from an article that actually just came out recently That's that was kind of about, like, um, rings of power and was kind of diving into the ways that um, Lewis really helped Tolkien finish Lord of the Rings and how that eventually you know, like how that kind of plays out in the Rings of Power TV show. But um, this one passage I thought was really interesting. C.S. Lewis's biographer, Alistair McGrath, said of Tolkien, um, he was a man of immense creativity who nevertheless needed someone to affirm him in what he was writing and more important, persuade him to finish. Interesting. And so that's what C.S. Lewis was for Tolkien. And then this article is like uh kind of compares this it says parallels to george r r martin's as yet unfinished game of thrones are impossible to ignore perhaps martin needs his own c.s lewis to guide him back to westeros (laughs) who could be oh george r r martin's c.s lewis um, Who would it be? Brandon Sanderson. Brand- <laughs> Brando Sando. Brando Sando. <laughs> or you know what? It would have to be someone who, like, writes children's books. Okay. Catherine um, Arden. Yes, sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite authors. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I think that interest. It, that um that relationship between Narnia and Lord of the Rings, you know, I think is really interesting because, you know, like I mentioned, they're both drawing from um, Norse mythology for a lot of their like yeah like magical creatures and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So I also wanted to look into the ways that Narnia specifically has influenced fantasy fiction yeah so i have like very specific examples that i want to talk about but i also want to like i guess kind of like acknowledge that like the idea of children's fantasy fiction where a child finds their way into a magical world from our world like that was around before because of course we have alice in wonderland sure and the wizard of oz as kind of the two biggest, um, probably still most popular examples of that kind of like portal fantasy, essentially. So I think I think that it's significant that both of those examples, it's one child. Um, sure. And Lewis may have been, well, we did have like E. Nesbitt in like the early 20th century, uh-huh. who wrote several... Um, several children's books but those were not exactly like going to a fantasy world Um, okay so really lewis was like the chronicles of narnia were 
kind of, I mean, I don't want to make a definitive statement, but I feel like they were possibly the first books where like more than one child, like a group of children together entered a fantasy world. Interesting. Entered a magical world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like, I feel like I mentioned, I think I mentioned this last time that like, I, I think that there are children's fantasy novels being published today that we see the influence of Narnia. Yeah. In, just because they've made such, um, such a big impact on children's literature. One author that I would also mention is Edgar Eger, who wrote in the, like, the 1960s. Sure. Um, in the U.S. is when most of his books were published. And they also took that same kind of model of, like, a group of, like, four or five children. Um, although sometimes in Narnia it's only, like, two or three children. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> sure. A group of children who... Um, who have magical adventures together. And then one key thing with the Narnia books and with this same kind of genre that it, you know, has influenced is that by the end of the story, everything has returned back to normal. Um, Except that the child or the children now have some kind of new appreciation for you know their quote-unquote real life i think is important to know yeah because of course they never well at least until the last battle they never get to stay in narnia they always have to go back yeah Um, but that actually leads me quite conveniently into (laughs) this book series that i want to talk about called the magicians by Lo grossman or as my boyfriend calls it the magic ians um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so basically, this is like if Narnia fans, you know, like people who were who were fans of Narnia when they were kids, grew up and then found out that magic was real and found out that Narnia was Narnia was real and they could go there, but then they get there and it's not the idyllic land that you imagine as a kid right like that's basically that's the basic idea of the magicians and yes it's brilliant um (laughs) so um i don't know how familiar you are with the books series or the tv series that was based on the books I've read two chapters and I loved it, and then life just got hectic. But I really you liked loved it. Loved the a first lot. two chapters or the of first the magicians. Yeah. Oh, I did not. I it took me a while to get into it because I hated the main character. Oh, like but that's what made it fun, though. I think was okay. that I had a lot I was like, of. I I was just I just kept reading to like see if he ever like got over himself. That was my thing. So well, same. I was like, oh, this guy's a whole lot. Here we go. Let's pony in. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so like it's ve- it, and it's very intentional. Like Grossman has talked about this, uh-huh. like you know, quite a bit. That he definitely uh, he's even talked about how like. 
the so like um lord of the rings exists in the universe of the magicians and like harry potter exists um i think they they talk about it like a few other fantasy series but narnia like the narnia books do not interesting and grossman has said that this is because like it's so uh, like so the fillery books so the the book series in the magicians so like the book within the book um the fillery series is so like so closely intrinsically tied to the narnia books that they would just like i think he said that they would like collapse in on each other okay (laughs) if narnia existed in the magicians so yeah so like it's it's very like and he doesn't even try to hide that that they're (laughs) you know that it's basically it's basically narnia yeah so in the magicians the way that they that they eventually go to this magical world fillery is that they have a magic button which is like very similar to like the magic ring from the magician's nephew yeah so if you have this magic button you can travel to this place called the netherlands and the netherlands is like this sprawling infinite city that's like laid out in like I think it's laid out in like a grid yeah. pattern and there's like fountains or like pond like kind of like built in like little pools um in every square of this city and so like Grossman's like intention with this he says that like either the Netherlands was like paved over the wood between the worlds okay or the wood will one day grow where the Netherlands are. So it's like, it's the same place yeah. in his mind. And like, he couldn't use wood between the worlds because like, that's you uh-huh. know, intellectual copyright. Or That's a very long-winded way for me to say that the Netherlands <laughs> is is the wood between the worlds. I at love least it. in Love Grossman's mind. So maybe one of the pools in the Netherlands we'll take you to Narnia. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, And there just never were any books about it or something. Yeah. Who knows? I'm sorry I talked so much about that. No, Um, I I love it. (laughs) Um, But I also, there was a quote um, from Grossman in, uh, in an article that was basically like about you know, the influence that he drew from, from Narnia and from Lewis's work, um, that I thought was like really, uh, really captures like how, you know, how works can influence other works. Um, Yeah. So he said, the key to me is making it clear to the reader that you're borrowing another writer's elements for a reason. You have to make sure they know not only what you're doing, but why you're doing it. It can be confusing for a writer. Initially, when I would make allusions to C.S. Lewis, I would avoid overtly criticizing or satirizing Lewis's work out of respect and a worry that I would outrage Narnia fans. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I've ever seen a Narnia fan outraged. I feel like they're really chill. Um, I quickly realized that the danger isn't going too far. It's not going far enough. If you're going to borrow from Lewis, you have to travesty him, openly poke fun at him, say something about him. 
anything less and readers will see your illusions as merely plagiarism. So interesting. I think that like, yeah. And if you read the magicians, like there's so much about Fillory and about the Netherlands that are so like extremely similar to sure. Narnia, but then it like twists it in a way. And yeah. Yeah, like it really is if you, yeah, like if you went to Narnia and instead of, you know, being idyllic and beautiful, it was a nightmare. <laughs> like, right. That's that's the magicians um, in a nutshell. And it's great. Yeah. <laughs> you should read it. Um, yeah. Did I, did I convince you? You so, did. I, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? The TV series, like the TV series is fun too. Okay. It doesn't. It kind of out of necessity doesn't follow the books exactly just because like the books as they're written would be kind of hard to adapt. Okay. Um, But yeah, the show was interesting too. It's not as like, I don't feel like the show leans as much into the Narnia connection, but like it's still interesting. Yeah. Um, One more thing that I had to talk about because, because we talked about the, the wood between the worlds. I have to talk about the world between worlds. So this is a concept from Star Wars, specifically Star Wars Rebels. And um, Dave Filoni, who's the showrunner of Rebels, like has specifically stated that he was inspired by the wood between the worlds and Magician's Nephew. So the world between worlds is like a place out of time. So it has like all of these different portals yeah. to um to like different times and different places. But the portal, like if you're in the world between worlds, you can't just go through any portal. There's only like certain portals that are open to you. Sure. And yeah, it's super, super interesting. Yeah, and it was inspired by Narnia. Yeah. So um, another children's fantasy. Because Star Wars is for kids, you guys. Yeah. Not just the cartoon shows, but like all of Star Wars is for kids. So you can yeah. calm down. Okay. So, <laughs> and you can calm down. You can calm down. <laughs> yes. Well, I talked about Star Wars, but I did not talk about Twilight. Um, Twilight has a soft magic system. I just, I really wish that's how you gauged every day. Like, well, this happened and it was really good, but I didn't talk about Twilight. I didn't talk about Twilight. Like I'm Rhonda's, sorry, you guys. Rhonda's diary every day is fulfilled just. fulfilled my contractual obligation to mention Twilight. Did yeah. I mention Twilight or not? Did I? Um, <laughs> Twilight is a soft magic system. Sure. But the Magicians is a hard magic system. Yeah. Because, like, the whole first half of the first book is just going to magic college and Mm. learning the nitty gritty Uh nuts and bolts of how to do magic. Yeah. Yeah. So if you like hard magic systems, like, read the Magicians. For sure. I have it on my bookshelf right there. I'm looking at it. Okay, we'll go read it. What are you doing? What are you doing? Talk to me. You're right, go you guys. This. I'm gonna go. Bye. Bye. <laughs> um. Yes. Well, it is time to say goodbye. 
Um, but we will be back next time, For- and we're gonna have some fun. And I think next Maybe. time is our last recording of the year. It will be indeed. <gasps> oh so we'll be back. Gosh. We'll be back in January. Well, we have one more episode, and then we'll come back in January. Tell. Yeah. I think I think twenty twenty two is is in Narnia because I don't know where this year went. But okay, that's mm. fine. <laughs> I wish I was in Narnia. I w- I'm still concerned I might be in a painting. How oh. do you tell? <laughs> oh. um, look around you. Are there brush strokes? <laughs> there are. Someone painted these walls. Oh, oh no. Boy. Well, there you go. Well, there we go. All right. It is Friday night. It is. Um, And, you know, Friday night's all right for fighting. Yeah. So, I mean, it will, I don't, it might be Friday night when you listen to this. I don't know. Um, Oh, yeah. I don't know your life. Um, (laughs) But one more episode for the year. Yeah. For the year. Oh, you know what? I was going to mention, I I watched our podcast, um, Spotify Wrapped. Um, cause they do, they do rap for podcasts. Yeah. And so I watched it. Um, and yeah, some interesting things. Maybe I'll, I'll try to post about it on Instagram. Cool. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, see you next time. Okay, bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.